guys, welcome to the latest episode of this unbelievable life. I have physical therapist Julie Monahan here with me, and I am so grateful to have her on today to talk about the topic of Parkinson's. For those of you who don't already know, Parkinson's is very um, close to my heart and that of my family. So um, I'm going to let Julie take it away. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, Parkinson's disease. Um, let me tell you a little bit about what it is. Okay, it's a movement disorder and it's a progressive disease, meaning there's no cure for it right now. Um, it's neurodegenerative, meaning it, there's a degeneration going on in our neurological system of our bodies. And basically there's a loss of nerve cells in the brain. And these nerve cells are called neurons and it's in a specific area called the substantia nigra. The neurons that are produced in here produce a chemical and that chemical's name is dopamine. And dopamine is what helps regulate movement in our bodies. All right. So there's a loss of dopamine in people that have Parkinson's. And why does that happen? Well, the nerve cells in this area, the substantia niagara die. So there's less numbers of them. So if there's less number, then not as much dopamine is being produced. Okay. So you can compare this to somebody that has diabetes. So people that have diabetes, they're, they don't have enough insulin to make things work. So you just give them insulin. Well, it's not quite so easy. You can't just give someone dopamine. And I will get to that um, in a little bit, but you know, with diabetes, they need extra insulin to make their bodies work correctly. And with Parkinson's, you're gonna have to give them dopamine to help them have smoother movement and not as many symptoms. So although Parkinson's is associated with a wide range of symptoms, and not everyone has the same symptoms, okay? But there are some symptoms that everyone usually gets. Now, these symptoms vary from person to person and they change over time as the disease progresses. But the symptoms overall are usually divided into two categories. There's motor symptoms and there's non-motor symptoms. Now, people are most familiar with the motor symptoms. Those are the symptoms that you see, okay? So the first one is a tremor. Now, not everyone has a tremor, but a tremor is like a slow rhythmic shaking, usually at rest. And it can be in a hand, it could be in a face, it could be in a leg, it could be anywhere. Usually starts one-sided and often progresses to being on both sides. Um, the second symptom is rigidity. That's a stiffness of the muscles of the arms, the legs, or even your trunk, okay? The third one is akinesia or bradykinesia. And that basically is a slowness of movement. You see this in maybe um, small handwriting, small slow steps, maybe increased time getting dressed, a decrease in blink rate, difficulty buttoning your shirt, turning over in bed. Um, also, this is part of the reason why they have like a mask-like face without facial expression. Okay, because their muscles in their face just aren't moving like they used to. The fourth main symptom is postural instability. That's basically trouble maintaining an upright, erect posture. So when these people tend to start bending forward, leaning forward, they have bent knees, they walk on their toes, all this causes difficulty with balance, coordination, and walking. And the further they start leaning forward, the more likely they are to fall, okay? 
Um, and that's one of the things that we can definitely make an impact on if we know about this in the beginning, how to, how to work against this. So those are the four main symptoms. And together, if you take the first letter of each one, it is TRAP. T, tremor, R, rigidity, A, akinesia, P, postural instability. These people often feel trapped inside their bodies. They're kind of losing control over what's going on. But usually when there's a diagnosis made, you usually have three out of four of those main symptoms. Now there's other motor symptoms that you see, um, walking uh, and difficulties with the way they're walking. So there's often decreased arm swing. This could be on one side or the other side. Our arms naturally swing when we walk. And that is one of the main symptoms that doctors will look at is whether their arms are swinging. They also may be slow, small steps, or they may have like a shuffling gait where their feet are barely getting off the ground. Um, they don't uh, have heel contact. When we swing our leg forward, usually our heel hits the ground first. With people with Parkinson's, they normally walk on their toes. Um, they also may have something called a festinating gait where their feet move really, really fast with small steps, okay? It's almost like they're running on their toes and they can't stop themselves. And the opposite of that is they can have episodes of freezing where their feet feel like they're just glued to the floor and they can't move them. All right, so some of the other motor symptoms are vocal symptoms. They often get a softer voice. Um, they lack emotion and they're monotone, which uh, causes a lot of problems with communication that I'll get to in a little bit. And then there also can be decreased swallowing, um, which leads to drooling. So it's not that there's excess saliva being produced. It's that normally our muscles, we don't think about swallowing, but swallowing is affected. And so the saliva builds up and starts coming out of their mouths. And then you see the drooling often leads to choking. Now, the non-motor symptoms are pretty debilitating too, but people don't really know about them because you see the motor symptoms, okay? But dopamine has an effect on uh, your organs. And so there's a lot of things that it, it causes, like a decrease in smell. Typically, they say that uh, people with Parkinson's, uh, over 50% of them lose their sense of smell. Why is that so uh, important? Well, they might not smell a fire. So if they're home alone and you don't have fire alarms that are working, they may not smell a fire in order to get out. The other thing is when you don't smell as much uh your food doesn't taste very good. So you keep adding more and more salt. And if you're somebody that has hypertension, you're adding more salt to try to make it taste better. And that's not good either. Um, it also affects your sleep cycle. Um, a lot of people with Parkinson's have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep. They may have vivid dreams. They may talk and thrash in their sleep. And in later stages, they have hallucinations. Um, Depression, anxiety, and apathy are other non-motor symptoms. They just don't have the motivation to do something. Um, they're depressed, they feel isolated. Uh, fatigue is another common symptom. There are also cognitive decline, like problems with your thinking skills, word finding, judgment, 
multitasking, organizing things, even with how you get dressed or take a shower or get ready in the morning. They may have trouble organizing that. Um, another big one is GI issues. Um, a lot of patients with Parkinson's end up with constipation because the dopamine affects all of the organs in the digestive system, okay? And the problem with uh, constipation is the way that the medication is absorbed when you take the cinnamon or the levodopa carbidopa, which is usually the most common me uh, medicine given, um, it is absorbed in the small intestines. Well, if you're constipated, then that medicine is never going to get to the small intestine to be absorbed. And so you take a dose and it's not going to have any effect because it's not getting through to your system. And so constipation is something to really, really battle and fight against and find a way not to have so that the medicine is actually going to be able to do its job. Um, lightheadedness or dizziness, the official word is orthostatic hypotension, is your body's inability to regulate blood pressure when you change position, whether you're lying down, going to sitting or sitting to standing. A lot of times people with Parkinson's have a dizziness and can actually fall because of that drop in blood vessels. So again, a dopamine affects the ability of the blood vessels to be able to contract so that that doesn't happen. Um, there's also a lot of urinary urgency and frequency. And again, dopamine is involved in the normal reflex mechanism that controls our bladder. And it's usually worse at night when, when people are lying flat, then they feel like they have to go really bad and then they get there and they just go drops. Um, and um, another frequent um, symptom is excessive sweating. So those are more non-motor symptoms that people don't really know about, but they definitely affect each individual. Now, one of the overall things that I think people with Parkinson's and then care partners and families don't understand is that they lose their internal monitoring system. And what I mean by that is um, their movements are all very small and slow, but they don't realize that. They think you're running, okay? They think that you need hearing aids. Their voice has gotten slow, uh, uh, soft, and so you keep asking them to repeat themselves and they're getting angry because they think you need hearing aids. They don't understand that their voice is soft. They don't understand that they're not taking big steps. They think they're walking normal. You just are being a giant. And so they lose that internal monitoring system of what a normal sized movement is. Okay. So um, the, the things that I like to, um, let people know about that I think have the most significance is the communication issues. Okay, Com ability to communicate with others is an extremely important aspect of life. It's not only about the words that are spoken, but it's about your tone of voice, your body, your facial expressions, and your ability to respond when asked a question. All of these things are affected uh, with people with Parkinson's. Um, usually they have a blank stare on their face. Well. It looks like they're not interested in the conversation, but they are. They're just kind of looking at you dumbfounded, but that's not really true. They are very interested, but they don't automatically smile. They don't automatically frown. Their face is just kind of like a stoic face. And so if you don't understand this about the disease, you just think, uh, I'm not even going to bother talking to him because he doesn't care. Um, they 
don't have an answer right away when you ask a question. And so again, if you're out with a group of friends and they're talking about something and you have something to say, but you're not thinking of it quick enough to say it, when you do figure out what you wanna say, they're on to another topic. And so the person becomes more and more and more withdrawn they don't want to go out with their friends anymore because they can't get a word in edgewise because their, their thought processes are much slower. So all these things then kind of lead to depression and anxiety, isolation, okay? And it's, it's all just part of the disease that if you can make people in your friend group or your family understand that they want to be part of the conversation, just give them time to answer. All right. Their, their voices are going to be softer. They might be a little bit hoarser, might be unclear. Some of them talk too fast. Okay. But it's just remembering that their masked expression does not mean they're not interested, but that's what it would come across to anyone that they're in contact with that don't understand the disease. Um, as far as the medication is concerned, there are a lot of medications out there. Um, Main, mainly the reason for the medication is to improve the symptoms, okay? You want to try to maintain a positive lifestyle. And the medications are going to be adjusted over the course of the disease in order to maintain the best control of the symptoms but by also avoiding the side effects, okay? I said earlier, the most common medicine that is given is, is carbidopa and levodopa, and together it's called cinnamon. Um, and basically it's trying to increase the level of dopamine in the brain. Um, but earlier I said, just like in a diabetic, you give them insulin and that helps them. You can't just give someone dopamine because dopamine can't go from the bloodstream to the brain. It can't cross what's called the blood brain barrier. So they give levodopa and once that gets into the brain, it's converted to dopamine. All right, so carbidopa is always given with levodopa. And the reason for that is, is the carbidopa helps prevent the levodopa from breaking down in the body before it gets to the brain, okay? So you can't just give someone levodopa because it'll get absorbed in the body and it will never get to the brain. Um, and carbidopa also helps um, decrease the side effects of the levodopa because usually when you first start taking it, there's a lot of nausea and possibly vomiting. So sometimes they increase the carbidopa to uh, counteract that. Um, so there's a lot of other medicines, but that's the most common one. And a lot of, there are a couple of uh, important things that doctors often don't tell patients when they're starting on this. Um, a couple of very important things to know about the medication is that it needs to be taken at the same time every day. Uh, this is absolutely essential because uh, the symptoms are very dependent on the medication, okay? So you can't just take it whenever you want. Um, usually they do it every four hours or, but you can't go two hours and then eight hours and two hours and eight hours. It's just very, the medicine very much controls when the symptoms are on and off, okay? Um, this is especially, usually people keep a diary of when they're taking it because this is especially important to know when they're admitted to the hospital because it's really sad to say, but when someone with Parkinson's is admitted to the hospital, um, the nurses tend to just give their medications at certain times, eight, 12, four, and eight. And that does not work with people for Parkinson's. And um, so often they get admitted and they end up getting sicker while they're in the hospital because they're not 
being given their medication at the right times. And it's any, a lot of other diseases, it doesn't matter if you're off an hour, but with this one, it really does make a difference. Um, the other thing is you don't want to take uh, the medication with protein. Okay, you don't wanna like have a protein rich meal and then take the medication because the absorption of the medication like I said earlier, is in the small intestine. And if it's getting there at the same time as protein from food is, the protein from the food molecules are gonna be absorbed first. And then again, the levodopa might just go on out through the rest of your intestines and never be absorbed because it's fighting with the protein from the food. Um, and then again, just to, to reiterate how constipation can really um, affect the absorption of this medicine and then its effect on the symptoms. So one of the best things that you can do is uh, to exercise. There have been a lot of studies that demonstrate the benefits of exercise for people with Parkinson's. Um, it improves your motor symptoms. It helps the transmission of dopamine in your brain. Uh, it enhances overall brain health and people that exercise experience less disability and better function with their activities of daily living, whether it be um, getting dressed or showering, uh, making meals, whatever it is they normally do. If they exercise, they can do these things better. Um, some tips to just think about when you're exercising is to find something that you enjoy, uh, possibly Mark it on your calendar, make it a daily thing you need to do, just like you do a doctor's appointment or a therapy appointment. It's gotta be something that you do every day. You might wanna partner up with somebody to help uh, keep you honest with it. You wanna make it, uh, mix it up and have variety. You can join a class. There's a lot of classes out there, aerobic classes, Tai Chi, yoga, dancing, boxing. Um, the other thing I often recommend is getting um, a Fitbit and just seeing how many steps you normally take a day and just try to keep increasing that and increasing it just as a objective measure of being more active. Um, so it's not only just about exercising every day, it's also about having an active lifestyle. So even if you go and exercise for an hour each day and then the rest of the day you sit on the couch, that's not helping as much as if you were up you know, every hour doing something. A lot of times I'll say, if you're going to watch TV for an hour, every time a commercial comes on, stand up 10 times, you know, or go walk around the house or um, just pick an exercise and do every time a commercial comes on. One of my favorites is standing up against a wall. You think that's a very easy thing to do, but try doing it while a commercial's on and see if you can keep your head and your shoulders back to help with your posture. Uh, there are actually a lot of local resources in the Evansville, Henderson area for exercise. Um, if you go to the website, it's pdevbhub.org. Everything um, that I'm going to talk about, you can find uh, it printed there. But I do a exercise class every Wednesday night from 4.30 to 5.30. I've been doing it for over four years and it's free to anyone who has Parkinson's. Uh, it's at Encompass Health and um, it's a great support group for the people too. I mean, we exercise the whole hour. We do something different every week, but um, the people just love to be around each other uh, 
doing whatever activities we're doing together. But there's a, a calendar for both Henderson and Evansville. Um, there is pedaling classes at the YMCA uh, downtown at the Ascension one. Um, there's rock steady boxing a couple times a week. Uh, there's a virtual Parkinson's exercise class with Harley online. There's exercise at UE that the physical therapy students do two nights a week. Um, that's not just for Parkinson's, that's for any neurological disease. Um, there's also a support group that happens on Wednesdays in Evansville. And it's on the website. I think it's the uh, second Wednesday of the month. There's one in Evansville and the fourth Tuesday of the month in Henderson. There are support groups. Um, one of the other things that uh, I developed a couple of years ago was I just felt like people who were newly diagnosed with Parkinson's, you know, you, you get a little bit of information from your doctors, but I just feel like talking to people, they just felt lost. And so I developed a program called PD Chat and it's just a free hour counseling session where I can give you the basics of the disease, talk about what's going on specifically with you or your family member. Um, I offer uh, up uh, all the, or I tell people about the local resources that are available, the support groups, the exercise classes. Um, Songshine is a vocalization class. And then I also let them know about the many national resources there are. Um, there is the Davis Finney Foundation where you can get this great big book um, for free. You just have to email them or call them and they will send you this book for free that has everything you wanna know about Parkinson's. Um, the American Parkinson's Disease Association uh, they have a number of things. They have a free app on your phone that you can track your symptoms with. Uh, they have brochures. They have bot podcasts, um, just really, really helpful information. And then there's also the Parkinson's Disease Foundation um, that has the same, similar things. They have a lot of uh, resources, books that they can give you. They have uh, podcasts. They have an aware and care bag that is helpful for when you're going to the hospital. So I just try to really teach these people how to communicate with each other, how to understand each other, and just answer any questions that they may have. Um, I presently work in an outpatient neuro clinic, and there are many of us that offer LSBT big, which is a four-week program where you are seen for four times a week um, and there are a set of exercises that you learn that then you do the rest of your life to try to keep you as mobile as possible. Um, there's also a, a speech therapy part of that um, called LSVT Loud and they work on uh, making your voices louder. They work on your swallowing. They also can work on your cognitive uh, deficits, whether you're having problems with organizing thoughts, memory, um, or whatever else. Um, there's also a program called Power PWR. Uh, it's called Parkinson's Wellness Recovery. That's just another less intensive uh, set of exercises that can be done every day. 
Um, and we teach those where I work and I'm sure there's another, a number of other clinics that do the same. So there are a lot of resources in this area. I um, cannot believe how many resources there are in this area. And you shared such a tremendous amount of information. I cannot thank you enough. Um, appreciate you being on and um, appreciate everybody listening this evening. And if anybody has any questions, they can reach out to me and I can forward them to you or uh, they can hop on the website and I will provide that information when I post the podcast. Uh, but thank you so much for being on. And I hope that everyone has a, a wonderful rest of the day.